Welcome to the Equipping You podcast, where our mission is to equip Alliance pastors and leaders to live spiritually healthy lives and lead healthy churches. Equipping You is a ministry of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org. Hey, 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 welcome back to the Equipping You podcast. This is season two, episode six, and we're coming to you today from about an hour south of Coors Field, home of the Colorado Rockies baseball team. And we're just a few days away from opening day of the baseball season uh, as we're bat. recording this. The crack of the bat. I'm Terry, and I'm an Atlanta Braves fan. Yeah, I'm Alan. I'm a Boston Red Sox fan, world champion, might I add. Oh, I hate it when you get to say that. Uh, this is the year of the Braves, however. Well, on with the podcast. And uh, today uh, we're going to do something we haven't yet done on the podcast, and that's talk to some folks who are involved as missionaries, served overseas, uh, people we know and love. Yeah, we do. We get to have Daryl and Cheryl on the podcast, and we are so excited about that, having visited a place that they served and having them been sent out from our district. I've interacted with them a lot, and to be honest, they represent Alliance Missions so well, and I am really excited to have them on the podcast. They are amazing people who have gone to amazing places at great risk so that others will have uh, access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So uh, we're so pleased to uh, ha- have them on the podcast uh, today. So uh, get some coffee, get some tea, get some Diet Coke, whatever you enjoy. Kick back relax and listen as we talk to Daryl and Cheryl. So we're pleased to uh, welcome to Equipping You podcast today, Daryl and Cheryl. Daryl and Cheryl, thanks for taking the time to join us today. Great to be here. Thank you. And uh, you are uh, two of our heroes, uh, Alliance International uh, Workers. And we like to get a little bit of a snapshot of the story of our guest as we uh, jump into things. So uh, if both of you would just kind of tell us where you grew up, where the two of you met, and where along life's path you begin to sense a call to missions. I grew up in southern Pennsylvania, Woo-hoo! a little town called Waynesboro. <laughs> I grew up in a little village in um, Burkina, West Africa. So your mom and dad were international workers, right? They were, and my grandma and grandpa also. Yes. I actually knew your grandfather. Oh, yeah. <laughs> many, many years ago. So, so along the way, we met at Nyack College. Yep. Started dating in seminary, got married, and um, our, our call to missions uh, is very different. Mine is different from Daryl's. I grew up, of course, in Burkina Faso. Always knew from the time I was a very young child that I was going to be a missionary. Never yeah. thought of being anything else. So kind of a different call. Daryl's was much more um, exciting. <laughs> well, I wasn't saved until I was 20 years old. I was in the military, and another soldier led me to Christ. And at that time, I did not know there were missionaries. I did not know anything about missions. It just was not an issue for me. But I did t- attend an Alliance church, and I was drawn by the teaching on sanctification. So later, when I got out of the military, I, back in my home state, again, looked for an Alliance church. And this is where I was first exposed every year to what we used to call missionary conference, a week of missionary speaking. Usually two different missionaries would speak for a week. 
And that's when God began to stir in my heart. At first, it was just uh, very light. You could do this. Uh, but then I was attending a missionary convention, and I really feel the Holy Spirit was upon me. And I was greatly moved by songs that were sung. And it was at that moment, though it was never on my radar, that uh, I really felt God was calling me to be a missionary. Amen. So the call doesn't always look the same for everyone. Some are going to hear it younger. Some are going to hear it older. Even if you come to Christ a little bit later, that you could still uh, serve in that capacity. So after a long and fruitful career in Alliance Missions, looking back, what do you really like about Alliance Missions? Why are you glad God sent you with the Alliance? One of the major things to me is the connectedness with our churches and with individual church members in the Alliance. We just feel uh, a real partnership, and not just with churches that send teams and uh the churches that we visit, but almost any ch church we go to, even for the first time ever, there'll be people tell us, we have been praying for you for years. It's great mm. to hear, meet you. We've heard so much about you. And so this is one of the great things to me about the Alliance is the connectedness with our supporters. It's a, it's a family. We feel like we're part of a great big family. It's, mm. it's truly that. Thank yeah. the Lord. So uh, you guys served in some places that weren't necessarily safe. Uh, that's probably an understatement, uh, and that's true of a lot of places that still need the gospel. They're not necessarily safe places. Uh, can you tell us about some of your uh, experiences? It's just as brand new international workers back in 1983, we're, we were in a country at war, and at that time, everyone was hoping the war was over, but it turned out not to be, and so we lived through artillery battles that literally shells hit buildings around us. People were killed in the neighborhood. That was something that maybe every, we might have two or three months of calm and then these battles break out between various militias. So that was a dangerous time. Also, the different groups fighting against each other would set off car bombs. And that was something, you know, in artillery attack, you hear the first shell, you get in the, down on the first floor. But with a car bomb, there's just no warning. So it, it was a time of tension and uh, trouble, and that went on for several years. Thanks for serving. It's worth saying again. Uh, so because of those, uh, have you ever really struggled with fear? And, uh, you know, like you wanted to leave and go home? Uh, you know, what kept motivating you to keep pressing on? I would say uh, definitely. I mean, there were times, you know, <laughs> as humans, as a mother with young children, uh, definitely had times of real fear, but uh, it's amazing. We, we found that as, as parents, if we stayed calm and were positive, um, our kids never picked up on any fear. And we, we also saw that parents that were full of fear, their kids were a mess. So we tried <clears throat> to always remain uh, positive and happy. And, um, but yeah, what, uh, definitely fear. There were times uh, times when we wanted to go home, probably over the years, um, especially when you get discouraged and you don't see a lot of people coming to Christ. Those those can be discouraging times and you wonder, what am I doing here? But um, God always came through and, and picked us up. And it's important for husbands and wives to kind of pull each other up. When one is down, that the other one doesn't get down too, but that you... Uh, 
balance each other out. If you both get down, it's bad. Yeah. And one thing to remember, we were living with local people. This was their experience daily, just like it was ours. So we were really committed to them. We didn't want to let them down. And by staying through these troubled times, it really gave us great credibility with them yeah. that we stayed with them and you could say suffered with them. Though yeah. We never really felt it was terrible suffering. Uh, back on the stories, uh, Cheryl, uh, I, I believe if I'm correct that you guys were on home assignment during a year when the person who replaced you and was doing what you were doing was uh, killed. Uh, mm -hmm. Can you reflect on that and some of the emotion that was involved in that for you? Well, uh, that was a devastating time in our career, definitely. One of the most darkest times. Um, I had a very vibrant clinic, and me and this uh, woman were working hand-in-hand hand together, had lots of dreams and plans for this clinic. And um, someone actually, yeah, came in and, and killed her. Some people think that they actually were trying to kill me, thought they had killed me. Mm. So that was that was a really hard time to to go through. I actually my one of my first reactions was one almost of jealousy. You know, why why did the Lord think that she was worthy to, to lay down her life for those women that we love so much? Mm. <clears throat> we we felt at that time I felt like like our our missionary career was over. Like we just, you know, it was such a dark time. Yeah. Did you uh <laughs> end up going back to that same place or uh, relocated at that time? I don't remember the... We, we went back to the same country, but the National Church would not allow us to go back to that city, and that really was devastating for us. We eventually did go on to another country, but uh, they just didn't... They weren't willing to see another martyr, they said, yeah. and uh, although we felt like it was allowing evil to win, yeah. we really would love to go back there, but... We weren't allowed to. So the place, kind of places where you've served, I, I'm assuming you haven't seen like scores and scores of people at a time coming to faith in Jesus Christ, but one by one, uh, you have seen that. So tell us a couple of those stories about connections with people who ended up putting their faith in Jesus. First, it always starts with building a relationship. When you're in a culture where there's no other Christians, it's just a very, that makes it a much more difficult step for this person He's not just following Christ, not only leaving his family's way of thinking and living, but his whole society. And so we really got to build a relationship and then sharing the, the gospel, getting them reading the Bible and having the Holy Spirit work in their hearts. It, it's a process, you know, it's a, man, a, a human and a divine process, and it really takes time. But uh, when God works, it's, it's really a miracle when people just leave everything to follow Christ. Uh, one really nice thing, a person who found Christ told me years later, he wrote to me and said, because you were with me, I am with him. Um, we, we have had, like you say, but we can count them, uh, you know, by the ones and twos, not the fifties and hundreds. But um, one girl uh, just last year, when we were in Berlin, had a, a wonderful conversion, and she's still walking with the Lord. She's been baptized. Her family, her mother and father now have been baptized. So really, the big, big thing is discipleship. We've had lots of people come to Christ, and then they just fall away because the the persecution is so, so mm. fierce. Yeah. So uh, we're a missionary sending uh, group, and every board meeting, almost every board meeting, we appoint new 
international workers to go to a variety of places. Some of those are dangerous places. Speak to the young couple who might have kids or planning to have kids. They're feeling God's tug on their heart uh, to go to some dark and dangerous place. But at the same time, they're wrestling with, with fear at the thought of taking their kids into that kind of environment or going into that kind of environment themselves. What, what's your counsel to them as, as those who are now on the other end and, and uh, you've been there, done that yourselves? Well, we believe everyone is built differently and everyone can handle stress and danger differently. And, but in this case, if, if they feel somehow God's calling them to a dangerous place, but yet they're still fearful, I think that they must deal with that before going. That uh, if they can't resolve the fear issue, they should not go to that country. Perhaps they're just not built for it. And they should ask God, where, where can I go and be a, more effective than in a dangerous place. I also think that, uh, you know, you need to look at um, their lifestyle and their reactions here while they're here in supposedly safe America. If they're if they're fearful here of, you know, fearful of their children getting sick or fearful of whatever, it's going to be magnified 100 times over when they get overseas. So that that is a big thing. And everyone can't handle it. I mean, it's, you know, I don't think that we should expect that everyone is built the same way. And some people just really can't handle fear. So that needs to be thoroughly dealt with before you get over there. It's <laughs> good. I'm curious about uh, a slightly different shift of perspective on that question. So let's fast forward that a few years. And so say now uh, we have some middle-aged parents whose kids are saying, we want to go to a dangerous place. And the parents are like, you want to what? What would you say to those parents to give them some encouragement to trust God with their grown kids? Well, we, we've definitely seen that over the years. Uh, in fact, often, sometimes I would say the parents are the biggest obstacle. Wow. They just can't let go of their children. I mean, first of all, reminding them of them having given their children to God when they were very young and that this is the fulfillment of that now. You know, yeah. I mean, this is where the rubber meets the road. Yes, we, we've seen at least one example, if not more, where parents like that really crippled the person on the field. It's very hard. You can imagine it's very hard to work effectively, even in the U.S., if your parents are totally against where you are and what you're doing. Yeah. That yeah. has to drag someone down to a certain extent. Yeah. So this is another thing I would say. You've got to find a uh, resolution to this. Yeah. And and I think that it's also up to the workers on the field <laughs> to give a good, you know, a good picture, uh, uh, be upbeat with their parents and not um, telling them all the horrible things that are happening. And the, I don't know, it's. Uh, <laughs> and for instance, nowadays, something we didn't have years ago, the parents can come to the field and they can do a visit and say, you know, it might sound bad, but once you get here and you're living in it, yeah. it's not near as bad as it seems from a distance. That's so yeah. that might be a, a way word. to handle it. Help parents get through it, too. Good yeah, word. you know, I appreciate that word. I had an opportunity to be at a field that you once uh, served in, and uh, people asked me about, why are you going there? Is that safe? And I was just going for, you know, 10 days. But, you know, I got there, and I was like, man, these people are friendly, you know, and uh, you got to trust God that he's going to – he's got your back. No. Well, we usually uh, swear AJ to a vow of silence before these podcasts, but we're going to let AJ ask a question today. Thanks, Terry. I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> so uh, specifically in a generation that is quite frequently labeled as 
uh, anxiety ridden or um, all of these different labels that we put on people. We've so far talked about this from a perspective of fear, but how have you both cultivated peace in your life? How have you sought a greater awareness or a greater level of peace throughout all of these ministry moments? Great, Great question, question you know? AJ. Way to go. Well, um, I mean, the the immediate answer, of course, that that comes to my mind is just making sure that uh, our relationship with Christ is, is fresh. Um, a thing that has always helped me is, especially in, in countries where it's been, you could say, dangerous or where I've had fear, always having praise and worship music on, it really, uh, I don't know, kind of cleanses the atmosphere. Yeah. But, um, you know, we, we've always made a practice of being very, very close to the local people, always getting their pulse on what, you know, is it really dangerous? You know, what, what are people saying on the street? Daryl used to always go around and ask all the shopkeepers and so forth. So, yeah, when you have the, the pulse of the people that you're working with and they say, don't worry, we'll protect you, you know, we're your friends, that, that gives you a lot more peace than if you're holed up in your house and you're, you're hearing, listening to the radio or the, the news. Right. Good. Uh, some, something I share in our churches when people ask this question, I don't know if this is correct, but I came up with this, that security is a Western concept that many people in the world do not have. Oh, yeah. They live their lives in insecurity. Wow. And, and so here we are with these people. And like Cheryl said, we, we have to keep our ear to the ground. And if they tell you not to go to a certain area to stay in on a certain day, you just do what they tell you especially for our North American workers, we could throw out the question, is it more dangerous in our inner cities than other places? And could that be something that keeps uh, Alliance workers from inner cities? Yeah, for sure. I reflect often on uh, Acts 20:24, where Paul said, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. So really, we need to understand our our purpose. And as you said, Daryl, we think security is our right and privilege in America. And and it it certainly isn't for many other places in the world. And if we're going to be kingdom people, that's not going to be a, a guarantee for us either. We've talked about some of the things that keep people from getting there. But if somebody's going to be a fruitful worker on the field, what's some of the key traits that they need to have? The things that... I mean, immediately come to our mind are flexibility and adaptability. Um, I think that we see in a lot of new recruits that come out that they have very tight margins around their families, around their lives. And um, margins can be a good thing, but they can also really be a a negative thing when you come to the field and life isn't going to be there what it was in America. And you need to find a new normal for your family and be very flexible. Concern for the lost is a, is a huge thing. And uh, unfortunately you actually see people who come to the field who uh, haven't really had a concern for the lost right here in their own home country. And I think that needs to be a huge litmus test of whether or not they are truly called. If they can't go to the people who are right uh, in their neighborhoods who speak the same language and look the same, it's going to be really hard to reach out to people who are so, so different from themselves. 
the Alliance largely now is working on teams. You know, we used to have fields where it's an entire country, and now we're trying more and more, more and more to work on teams. Well, what comes comes with that is that it's very important. A key trait would be the ability to work with others on a team. Yeah, it's good. Not mm, yeah. and uh, not to come with a hidden agenda, which has been shocking to me. Some of the things you hear after people are there, and this is what they've expected. This is very important. And like Cheryl said, that we need people who are capable of leading people to Christ and discipling them and integrating them into a church fellowship. And since we're on a team, you don't have to be able to do all of those things, but you need to be, be able to fill in there somewhere and yeah. then to train leaders for the future. Mm-hmm. So, so we need all kinds of people. And most importantly, that they work together and allow each other's gifts to, uh, to produce fruit. Yeah. So missions was and is going to the world, but the dynamic that's happening in today's world more and more is that the world is coming to us uh, here in the U.S. So, you know, some of the people that you worked with or people's groups that you worked with, uh, some of those people are now living in our neighborhoods and communities. Uh, How should we view people of other ethnicities and religions being our neighbor in our neighborhoods, and uh, how can we build relationships with them that might give us an opportunity to influence them for the gospel? Sure. Well, I think something we've always stressed about our work around the world is that our middle name, the Christian and Missionary Alliance, our middle name is missionary. And so we need to recognize this is not something only overseas. It's right at home. And I think we need to Reach out to these people. They might not come up to you, but you can reach out to them. Just be very friendly. Help them in practical ways. And we, and I'm proud to say in our Alliance churches, we've seen great examples. People asking us what to do, but already they're taking people, immigrants and migrants. Yeah, refugees. immigrants and refugees. They're taking them shopping, take them to school, take their kids to sports, and for a, that's as individuals, but for a church to offer ESL, we have used this for decades overseas because, you know, English is an international language. It helps people move ahead in any country. At the same time, you must speak to teach ESL, and it's easy to build this close relationship between teacher and student and our churches that do it. I think, I think every Alliance church could put notices out that they're offering ESL. And if they're patient, even if they only start with one or two, they can build it up. And one of our Alliance churches that that you are familiar with, they had an ESL class of over 25 people in it were Muslim people from five different countries. And here they are coming to a church for ESL. They Up to the time I visited, they had never come to a church service but there they were in church, interacting with Christians, benefiting from Christian love. And so there's a lot we can do, and we can really make a difference in people's lives. And we really need to get back. At one thing I share in our church is that one of our problems is, one of our barriers, we've, we've quit welcoming neighbors who are Americans. You know, yeah, new people true. move in the neighborhood, <laughs> and we don't go next door to say welcome. So we've got to get back to that old model, and especially with... Uh, any people from the East, I can say this, that's who we've worked with. They respond to friendliness and to hospitality and really make a difference. And, and we all know that many uh, immigrants do not feel welcome. 
So as soon as you're a welcoming person, wow, who is this? And as soon as your church offers something to help them, uh, it, it can be done. And some of our smaller churches are doing this as well as larger ones. So it's something that can be done at any scale. Well, I think I can definitely say uh, the churches in our region that have done ESL, it has also benefited their own people just to have their eyes opened uh, to the mm-hmm. world around them and to grow and serving and understanding. And uh, the church has been blessed just because they're offering that uh, kind of service. ESL, by the way, if you're listening and don't know, is English as a second language. So helping those who who don't speak English learn to speak English, which is helpful to them in a variety of ways. Sure is helpful. Uh, I've been told by some of the teachers that the, the, the mothers who come forward, they want to learn English so they can help their kids in school. So mm-hmm. really, you're touching this whole family. And let me throw in just one last thing. After showing love and concern, after giving other practical things, our people should never be afraid to give New Testaments to these people. Mm. Say, so here's a gift. You can do it at Christmas. You can do it in a birthday or just at any time. And especially if you're in the habit of giving them things, which many refugees need a lot of things. Just say, hey, I'd like that you to have a New Testament. And most of them have been dying all their lives to see one because it's forbidden in their country. Yeah, wow. And Interesting. They're wondering where on earth they could ever find one of those. So yeah. it's a great a great way to, to reach people. Wonderful. Well, it looks like I'm in charge of the shifts in conversation on this particular episode. So I'm going to shift to this. Uh, you talked about how you loved being part of the Alliance family as a, as a worker, international worker. So... What can our Alliance churches, whether they're big or small or in between, do to effectively connect and promote our work around the world? Well, we've certainly seen all kinds of different ways that uh, churches have connected. Of course, now in this modern day, coming actually and seeing gives them a huge lead in, uh, in feeling and touching and seeing what it's really about. And I think their prayers are a lot more effective even after that. But we have incredible stories of people who have been so connected to us that um, when they get our prayer letters, they pray. I mean, I have women that are like, I don't know, attack dogs wanting, wanting our prayer requests. You know, we need prayer requests, send them to us. And every month hounding us for prayer requests. I mean, these people really, really pray. And uh, we have, you know, just so many examples of uh, care packages. And one one small church gave everyone back in the day when Kindles were new, they gave everyone on the field a Kindle. Of course, giving to our different projects is a huge, huge blessing to us. I think there's something for every, everybody can pray. I mean, that's, that's, you know, it sounds maybe not exciting and it isn't, it's hard work. But prayer is the is is the thing that makes it all all work. So so let's uh, in our last question piggyback off of that, uh, Daryl and Cheryl. If you were to say to uh, some prayer warriors for missionaries, two or three ways that they can pray specifically for their uh, missionaries that they know and are standing with, what what would those ways be? Pray for unity with their fellow workers. Mm. That's a big one. That's that's probably the biggest, honestly. Those are the things. Those the interpersonal relationships on the mission field can destroy a team so quickly. Yeah. And when you're all in each other's face and looking at what each other's doing all, you know, every day. Yeah. We need a lot of prayer in that area. Yeah. Uh, pray for their children. Oh yeah. You know, our children grew up, they were born on the field and grew up there. And so things were much more natural. But today, and I think this is a good thing in the alliance. 
we're taking older people who have older children and not just middle school, but we have people coming with junior high and senior high students. So you know how even in America, it's difficult to move from one school district to another. It can be very traumatic. Well, just imagine moving to a different country. So pray for these kids to enjoy the adventure, to be able to do well in school. Yeah, and even praying for, I think, really all the things that your pastor would need or anyone in ministry. I mean, anyone really for that matter, but pray for marriages, you know, that's the devil would love to get in and destroy there because then he can really render you useless. And, and pray for fruit, Amen. that they will wow. have a fruitful ministry. We served in a country which Cheryl and I thought this is one of the nicest countries as far as infrastructure we've ever been in. But other missions, they were losing people in the first year and we couldn't figure why the attrition, very high attrition rate. And our only conclusion was because it was very tough to win people to Christ. And people came there. And when they saw how hard it was and what I could be doing this for years and not see people coming to Christ. And so that's very discouraging as well as being the the heart of what we want. We want people to know Christ. And so pray for fruit. Great. They will find those people with uh, good and noble hearts who hear the word and receive it. Amen. Good word. Daryl and Cheryl, just want you to know that we love and appreciate you. You guys have served exceptionally well and continue to do so, and and just thankful for the legacy that you've left behind. As I think of you guys moving to retirement, I think of uh, folks out there who might be listening who are in the next generation, up and coming, maybe young people, maybe even middle-aged people who God might be tugging on their hearts. And uh, just want to say to them today, follow whatever Jesus is calling you to do. Go wherever Jesus is calling you uh, to go. There is no life like uh, serving and following Jesus with all of your heart. And as uh, Daryl and Cheryl and folks like them hit retirement, we need some more folks to step in and step up and and, uh, go share the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ uh, all over this world. So thanks, Daryl and Cheryl, for uh, talking with us today. And uh, may God continue to uh, bless you guys. Great having you. Thank you. It was great being with you. Thank you. All right. God bless you. Well, Alan, another great uh, interview. What a great couple uh, who have influenced uh, not only the people they've served sharing the gospel with them, but other missionaries and folks who have gone into missions as a result of their influence and uh, impact. What would you hear today that really stuck out to you? Honestly? Honesty. Yeah. Uh, to hear them talk about, you know, dealing with the fears that go with that from the person that goes, from the parents that watch them go, from the churches that support them, man. And also the encouragement of the Alliance family. There is such a rich time. And I'm so grateful uh, that uh, we got to hear from Daryl and Cheryl today. So we're a Christ-centered Acts 1-8 family. Amen. And that means we uh, certainly are trying to reach people for Jesus Christ uh, right in our own community and in our region and nation, but we're also seeking to uh, get the gospel out to the peoples of this world. And so if you're listening, uh, be sensitive to what God's asking you to do, uh, to be a part of that Acts 1-8 uh, work, uh, where he would call you to engage people with the love and gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, what should you do, Alan? Well, you should share it with your friends, your family. Let them know about it, where they can find it. 
Uh, and you should also rate us and review us uh, at the place where you listen to the Equipping You podcast, because what that does is it helps to get it in front of more people. Uh, and we believe that this is an encouraging and building up equipping podcast. So we want to we want to share it. So share it with us. Indeed. So join us next time on Equipping You podcast. Until then, keep the faith. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and rating our channel. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.